So are we all here? Are we having a good time? Excellent. Come in, guys. I think we're just about ready to start. Welcome. Um, you are at the Mission Stroke Evangelism Stroke Reaching the Whole World Seminar. Is that right? Yes, excellent. I am glad that you know that you are in the right place. And uh, hopefully this week, as we go through the week, we will be able to put some real tools in your hands to help you uh, as you go home. Now, I want to introduce you to my friend Rob. Rob and I will be hosting this week. Rob is the leader of a local church. He's the leader of Christ Church, no, Christ Community Church in Attleboro. <laughs> and... He brought his fans with him, all four of them, with him today. Uh, I have known Rob for a few years, and often we get to be part of this stream. And uh, this is what I know about Rob. Rob is consistent in his walk with Jesus. He absolutely, from every pore of his being, loves Jesus. And every time I wanna, I'm with Rob, I want to be more like, Je- like, like him to be more like Jesus, because he's got that oozing out of him. This is Rob. Welcome, Rob. Howdy, everyone. Um, this is Jazz. Now, it's spelt with one Z. Jazz gets, I've seen Jazz get quite angry when people have spelt her name with two Zs, so just to let you know. And um, Jazz is from Croydon Jubilee, um, which is an amazing church. And Jazz has been in mis- ministry for decades. She's got so much experience. Um, I've known Jazz... It must be coming up to five years now. And we've partnered together, heading up the outreach at New Day. Um, She has got an incredible way of making evangelism and mission relatable to everyday life. And she's an awesome person. We're absolutely chuffed and it's going to be great today. She's going to be speaking about reaching your friends. Um, So should we just give it up for Jazz? Now, before Jazz dives in, I just want to I just want to give a bit of context to what we're doing today um, and what we're going to be doing throughout this stream. So, sometimes being at New Day can be a bit like this. So, you hear a great talk from Lou Fellingham, and you have some amazing time of worship, and you just you love it. You put your hands in your air, in your air, and you really have a great time. And then someone gives you an amazing prophetic word, and you're just so excited. And then you're there at the healing night and someone in your youth group gets healed. And you're so excited. And then this happens. Can anyone relate to having a, maybe an experience of New Day sometimes where it's been a bit like that in the weeks past? I certainly have. And um, I really want to share with you, our heart for this series is that it's not going to be like that, that, we're gonna, that your experience of New Day this year is not going to be like that, but it's going to be a bit more like this. I've got some nice water here. Got my a lovely plant here that I stole from my son's bedroom, and I'm just going to give it a bit, of, a bit of water. And I've got some um, Miracle Grow all-purpose continuous release plant food, and I've got one of these like sticky things. It's a bamboo stick. I'm going to stick it in next to the plant, 
Okay, I've given it some bamboo, so it's going to grow straight. It's going to grow straight in the right direction. It's protected. And we really want your experience of Nudo to be like that. We want to we wanna put some stakes in the ground that you can grow up. We want to we wanna help you get fed. Um, we don't want you to just inflate like a balloon and get a bit excited and then over the next couple of weeks fizzle out. And it's our real prayer that over this this series of seminars that God just puts some roots in you, some wisdom in you, and gives you some strength in the direction that you're going to grow for the rest of the year. So with that in mind, I'd love to just pray for you. And can, we just start, can you just start by maybe putting your hand on your head? I just want to pray for your minds. Father God, I want to pray for these minds. I want to pray that you would fill them with the knowledge of your ways and with great wisdom that will stand them in good stead for the other 51 weeks of the year that they're going to be living for you. And can you now just put your hands on your feet? I want to pray for your feet. Father, I want to pray for where these guys are going to go. I want to pray that you would help them to have hard feet that are willing to go wherever you send them. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a people who don't just hear good things, but people who obey you. And finally, can you put your hand on your heart? Father, I want to pray that you would help all of us this week to have soft hearts, compassionate hearts, not hard hearts, but soft hearts to the things that you're going to say, to the needs around us. In Jesus' name, amen. And finally, let's pray for Jazz. Maybe stretch out a hand for Jazz. Father, we just thank you for Jazz. Help her to train us. Help her to teach us so that we can go away from this week and make a difference in the lives of the people that we love and the people that we know for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Okay, guys. Um, today is about reaching your friends. And if I am passionate about anything, the thing that really gets me time and time again is personal evangelism. It's the thing that we do day in, day out. And, and I genuinely believe that if each of us were to practice that, that thing called personal evangelism, we would actually be able to see not just a nation transformed, but we'd actually see this world come to know Jesus. I hold that deep in my heart. So I have a real sense of what God is going to do this morning. Is um, When we were praying this morning, there's a, like a line-crossing moment for each of us in this room today. That actually what we're going to give you, uh, not just today, but in the, the days that are ahead, are real skills that will equip you to go home and to live this stuff out day in day out but evangelism is one of those words isn't it you kind of know that you're supposed to do it but sometimes you might not necessarily know what the word means and how what what does it look like and we kind of know that it's something to do with telling other people about Jesus but but what does how do how do you do that or maybe you're one of those like keen, extrovert, really happy types that likes to tell people about Jesus all the time, but actually you've never seen anybody become a Christian. And that kind of puts you off doing it again. Or the thing that I think most people uh, struggle with is a little bit of embarrassment, a little bit of fear, or I can't possibly tell my friends about Jesus because they're going to think I'm a weird person or they're going to think I'm odd or um, maybe because I'm not going to know all the answers how am I going to be able to actually tell them or so those are the sorts of questions that I'm going to look at this morning 
the difficulty is, so, so what happens is we kind of know that's what we've got to do, but then we don't do it. Anybody identify with that? Yeah, you need to kind of react to what I'm saying. So we, we kind of know we're supposed to, but we just don't do it. I also know there are some of you sitting in this room that are so excited about telling other people about Jesus, and I'm so glad you're here too. Um, the difficulty is that we find in Scripture that being evangelistic is part of our lifestyle. That's what we're called to. And this is what the Bible says in Matthew 28. This is a, a, a piece of scripture that many people know. And this is what Jesus said. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I don't know whether you understand what that means or not, but this morning I'm going to tell you a story to explain what that means. So I hope you're sitting comfortably and you're happy to listen uh, to this story. I'll start here. Your first point this morning is evangelism takes time. That's your first point. It takes time. The story that I'm going to share with you today took 10 years. I promised not to take 10 years to tell you the story, but it took 10 years. And for some of you, 10 years is like two thirds of your life. You're like, that is forever. But that is how long the story took. The difficulty is that we live in a, a world which expects an instant result. Like we live in what I call a McDonald's generation. You queue up, you place your order. You don't even have to talk to the person behind the counter anymore. You just go in, tap the things. You can tap it from your car, can't you? And um, uh, order your food and pick it up. Uh, I was laughing on the way up to New Day on Saturday when I drove up or whenever it was I drove up. Uh, did anybody get stuck in traffic coming? There was like a horrendous traffic jam coming up. Two hours I sat in there with my son JJ and we got a little bit bored and we started playing a game that we always play in the car, which is 10 things. You just give each other a topic and we have to name 10 things. So I said to him, can you tell me 10 uh, different dogs? And he just went, hyena. And I laughed at him and I went, hyena's not a dog, it's a cat. And he went, no, mum, it's not a cat, it's a dog. We, had a, we actually had Barney in the car over whether a hyena was a dog or a cat. Um, in the end, what he did was he Googled it to get the answer. And so in a moment, we were able to find out whether a hyena was a dog or a cat. So I'm going to ask you, how many of you think that a hyena is a dog? Okay, hands down. How many of you think hyena is a cat? Okay, interesting, isn't it? It's kind of quite split. It turns out that a hyena isn't either. Who knew that? Oh, good. There's some intelligent people in the back. Um, we, um, it isn't either. It comes in its own family of Hyundai. I thought that was a car. But anyway, um, they... Uh, so, but, but what, the point I'm trying to make is that we were sat in a traffic jam. We couldn't get to a library. We couldn't get anywhere. But because we've got the technology in the palm of our hands, we were able to instantly get an answer. Not that long ago, we could have been driving up to New Day without our phones in our cars because they didn't really exist in the way that they do now. And we'd have had to wait more than a week to find out because it would have meant camping here a week, getting home, 
finding a library and then trying to find the answer. We live in this instant world where we have results instantaneously. And every one of you lives in that world. In fact, you haven't grown up without that kind of information at your fingertips. The problem is that we then translate that instant results into well, why does that not work when I'm evangelizing with my friends? Why don't they become Christians instantaneously? But it takes time. As I said, the story I'm going to tell you took 10 years. My second point this morning is choose your friends. This seminar is called Reaching Your Friends. You've got to choose your friends. When my husband Tim and I got married uh, many moons ago, we moved on to a local council estate. So this is part of the story. We moved on to this local council estate. And when we got there, we looked around and we're like, we want to make friends with people that live here. Who can we make friends with? And we spotted this other couple who were actually a lot older than us. And we're like, but, but we could tell that the lady in the couple, she was like a mover and a shaker on the estate that we lived in. She like had some kudos, she had some weight, she, people listened to her. So we decided, we made a choice in that moment that we would be their friends and that whatever they did, we would support them. So that's what we were going to do. Who are your friends? Who have you chosen to hang out with? Who are you looking at to think, actually, this is somebody I want to walk with? And so we didn't know Jesus and we became their friends. Whatever they wanted to do, we would support them in. When it was their birthdays, we would take cards around. When they wanted to organize this for the local estate, we supported them. We invited them to all sorts of things. Our relationships, though, can be shallow, can't they? We stay friendly with people just while we're interested in them. Just for that short time, we're friends with them. Um, But we walk away quite easily from friendships, I think, especially in today's age. If we fall out, instead of resolving that conflict, we walk away. We don't deal with the hurt. We just think, oh, they're not for me. We don't get on. Uh, The connection is broken. I'm just going to walk away. We block them on social media. And we just choose not to stay in touch with people. And the world tells you, oh, you don't need to have toxic relationships in your life. You don't need to have this. You don't need to have that. But actually, I think the Bible is completely opposite. It talks about staying faithful and being friends with people. So I want to encourage you to pray and ask God to show you a friend that you can stick with. Someone you can care for and love and show kindness to. Someone that you can give more to than you get from them. That's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? So Mick and Elaine became our friends. Uh, I don't know what what they thought of Tim and I, and whether they thought they were a bit odd, but we just wanted to hang out with them. Here's the next one. Pray for your friends. Point three, pray for your friends. Now, I'm going to confess this in this context in front of all of you. I love Jesus. I love God. I know we're supposed to pray, but I'm not very good at it. I'm not one of those people that can go into my bedroom and spend hours and hours and hours praying. I know that some of you do that and you love it. And I'm very grateful that you have that kind of ministry. But I'm rubbish at it. But what I'm really good at doing is just praying as I'm walking. I'm really good at doing those one minute prayers, those bursts of prayers that as I'm talking, walking in the car, whatever, I can pray. 
And so I knew that if I wanted to see Mick and Elaine become Christians, this is what I was going to have to do. I was going to have to pray for them. And if you just think for just a moment, think about your own life and the moment that you became a Christian, and think before you became a Christian, who was praying for you? Was someone praying for you before you became a Christian? A parent, a friend, a youth leader? I suspect that someone was praying for you before you became a Christian. So I knew that it was important to pray for McKinna Lane. So this is what Tim, my husband and I, we decided to do, was that every time we drove off the estate, we would drive the long way past their house. And that when we go past the house, that would be my prompt, that would be my reminder to go and pray for them. Just to, I'd just be in my car, and then for five minutes every day, I would just pray for them. And sometimes they'd get prayed for three or four times a day, because I'd often be going in and out of the house. And my next point, God gives opportunities. He provides opportunities for you. Because this is what happened. After about five years of knowing them, Mick and Elaine, Elaine became quite ill, really ill. And she got something called agoraphobia. Do you know what that is? It's where people get really scared of going out. And so I carried on visiting her and I listened to her. And she just couldn't bear the thought of meeting people. This person who was so extrovert and so lively and so beautiful suddenly was confined to the four walls of her house. And so I used to go and visit her and she'd say to me, oh, Jazz, I really enjoy crafting. I'd like to do some knitting. So I said, what if I set up a little group and um, we did some knitting together? Would you be interested? And uh, she said, oh, yeah, no, I'd like to do that. So I can come pick you up and we can drive around and we can. And she she actually said, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind doing that. And so I set up a really small group called Knit and Natter, which says, like, how is that evangelism? How is that possible? But every Wednesday afternoon, I would go and pick her up. I would take her around the corner and about four or five ladies, and it was just ladies, and I appreciate that you might not be into knitting and nattering, but you can think of your own things because you're creative and you have downloads from God too. We would sit and knit and natter and talk. And uh, the other ladies that were there, they talked about church. They couldn't help it because I knew them from church. And they used to talk about all the different things that were going on at church. And, uh, and she'd hear about it. And the other thing that she'd hear about every year was New Day. Because usually between about Easter and when New Day happens, I would be talking about all the different things we were planning and preparing for New Day. So she'd hear about this massive event that was going on. And we'd talk about it. And she'd be like, oh, really, does that happen? I'm like, yes, it really happens. And uh, five years this went on. Five years of me picking her up, driving around, knitting, talking. And then one day, this is what she said. Um, She goes, Jazz, I've been hearing about your church. I think I'd like to try it out on Sunday. And I'm like, oh, if you like, all casual. Inside, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Finally, she's invited herself. So my fifth point is, let's not shove Jesus down people's throats. The fact that I had walked with Mick and Elaine for all of this time and built a relationship up with them and a genuine friendship eventually earned me the right to be able to tell her about Jesus. But it took a long time. 
Now, sometimes when you're with somebody, you might only be with them for a few minutes. So you just need to have that in the back of your head. Sometimes it is appropriate to mention Jesus straight away. But most times when you are building genuine, authentic, real, loving friendships where you're not walking away from people, actually, you just need to wait for them to ask. And she simply said, oh, I'd like to try church on Sunday. And so Sunday came along and I was excited and I was a little bit scared. I was excited because I thought she might come and that she'd become a Christian. And I was a little bit scared because I thought, oh, she's, she won't turn up. Anybody ever had that experience that you've invited people and then think they just don't turn up? Um, but anyway, she didn't want me to pick her up. She wanted her husband to bring her. And so I'm waiting anxiously at the doors and, and she arrives. And, uh, but Mick, her husband, couldn't walk in and uh, he'd hurt his back during the week. And uh, as church began... I'm sitting next to them. I'm like, I'm hoping they're not getting freaked out by everything. But she'd been hearing about church for so long, she knew what it was going to be like. And, uh, and uh, Mick, her husband, was really struggling. And so during the morning, there was a word of knowledge. So my sixth point is this. Listen to the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian in this room, and you've asked the Holy Spirit to fill you, then actually the Holy Spirit will. He's here. And he speaks to you and he doesn't talk in riddles and he doesn't confuse you. He tells you stuff. So listen to the Holy Spirit. So this morning, someone had listened to the Holy Spirit and there was a word of knowledge which said there's someone here with a bad back. And actually, in a congregation in our size, there are a lot of people with a bad back. But I elbowed Mick and I said, hey, Mick, that might be for you. Would you like me to pray for you? And he's like, oh, whatever, Jazz. He was a little bit, what, what does that mean? Um, but I, I just prayed a very short prayer, really simple, a uh, couple of lines. His back was instantaneously healed. Yeah. He was absolutely freaked out. Could not understand it. And that whole week from then, anytime anybody asked him about the church, he went to his work. That church is spooky. That church is spooky. He was completely confounded by what had happened. Because when something that powerful happens, nobody can argue with it. He couldn't walk in, but he danced out. But neither Mick or Elaine became a Christian that morning. And uh, I am... I wasn't disappointed. I was just excited that God had met with Mick and Elaine and they could see that there was something in genuine. And the following week they came back. And the week after they came back. And the week after they came back. And this went on for about six months. And then finally, in the October, Elaine was in her room at home. And this is what she said, all by herself. She simply said this, Jesus, I've been using your facilities for quite a while now. I think I'd like to get on your bus. And that was her prayer of commitment. You see, it's not about necessarily having to say, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. And it's not about the words as such, but it's about what goes on in your heart. She knew that she she was a sinner. And she knew that the only person that could forgive her was Jesus. And that prayer was her way of saying, Jesus, I've messed up. I want to be right with you. I want to get on your bus. And the following week, I was driving her home, and uh, she was so excited. She said to me, oh, um, Jazz, Jazz, it's like I've been born all over again. 
And I hadn't told her that she'd become a born-again Christian, but that's what had happened. And she understood because it was real. And then she says to me, oh, Jazz, um, I, um, I've sent Mick out to buy a Bible. I didn't tell her she had to get, get a Bible. And then she went, oh, Jazz, um, that house group thing you go to, can I join your one? And I'm like, yeah. And I hadn't told her she needed to join a house group. And then she says this to me, she went, um, Jazz, I've, I've got to do that giving thing. You have to give money to the church. How do I do that? And I'm like, I didn't tell her she needed to do any giving. And then the penny dropped as I was reflecting on that. I realized that for the 10 years that we had known, and not just my husband and I, but also the church was involved in her story. For the 10 years we had walked with her and her family, we had been discipling her. So when Jesus says, go and make disciples, what he is saying is, go and show people how to live. And we had been showing Mick and Elaine how to live. So that when they came to that place of faith, when she came to that place of faith, everything suddenly made sense. It all lined up for her. She goes, oh, that's why you stick your hands up in the air, because you're telling Jesus you love him. You love him because he's, he's rescued you. He's saved you. Oh, that's why you give your money, because you know that this is important. This is why you serve at church, because this is what, you know, she, it all made sense for her. And then a few weeks later, uh, there was another word of knowledge at church. And uh, Mick, who, you know, he's in his 60s at this point. Mick um, responds and gives his life to Jesus too. And he's in tears. And he says, Jazz, why did nobody tell me about Jesus before? Why have I missed that? As he's experiencing the love of God for the first time and he's realizing that he is missing out and experiencing the incredible love of God. Um, and so 10 years it took for that point. It's now 10 years since they both gave their lives to Jesus. They both love Jesus and they are walking with him. And I find that incredible. I started by asking you, who are your friends are you serving? Who of your friends are you loving? Who of your friends are you prepared to walk with? One of the, the things that I know is that obviously I'm like, I'm a mum of teenagers. Uh, you don't hang out with my friends. I don't hang out with your friends. I know that I cannot reach your friends the way that you can reach your friends. And you can't reach my friends the way that I can. Because you have genuine relationships with people your own age, your own peers. And you get to minister to them. And you have your own interests, your own things that you love doing. Some of you, maybe you're, I don't know, you like climbing mountains or playing tennis. Or maybe you're a creative or, or you're a geek or whatever. Or whatever group that you fit into. But each of those groups, each of those places needs you to be the best friend that you can possibly be. And so my next point, point seven, is your lives are watched. And that is not to put pressure on you. But once you come out and tell people that you're a Christian, and once you tell people a little bit of your story, and that's my free tip for the morning. The best way to evangelize is not about having to get your Bible out and give all the points in order, but actually just share your story. Share what God has done for you. Share something of where you were this summer. You know, in September, what did you do? I went to this event called New Day, this great festival, and this is what happened. 
People are interested. They want to know what's going on in your life. People are inherently nosy. So share something of your story. Um, but your lives are being watched, and I don't want to put pressure on you. But it says in the Bible that you're to shine like stars. In Philippians 2, it says this. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast in the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Back in the day before we had technology, um, before sailors had all the computer equipment they have to navigate around the world, they used to use the stars in the sky to be able to get from America to Australia, Australia to here. New lands were founded because they could use the position of the stars in the sky. You know, those things that God just flung into space. And... Um, and I really felt God speak to me through that verse, that our lives should be such that people can look at them and navigate how to live. That is making disciples. That is also when we get it wrong. I think it's more powerful when we get it wrong and when we screw up and when we make mistakes and we go and put it right or when we deal with conflict correctly or when we've really messed up and we go and sort it. That is actually more powerful than getting it right all the time. So it's not that I'm asking you to be perfect, but I'm asking you to be godly and wise and to live a life that God has called you to and to put right your mistakes and to honor other people, to prefer them. In doing that, you are making disciples. I am, I've already said to you that we are all different. We all have different personalities and different quirks. And even with your own culture, within you know, the young people, people's culture, there are so many different groups and temperaments and interests. I want to encourage you to carry on doing the things that you love doing. Pursue your interests. Because those passions, those desires, where did they come from? That wasn't a difficult question. They came from God. You all looked at me really blankly there. And um, do what you love doing, because in doing what you love doing, you're being genuine and authentic. Um, Jess is behind me. I'm going to ask her to put this clip up. I want you to watch this, and I'm going to just talk about it as we come into land.
it. Um, that's a really powerful, powerful clip. And hopefully if you can watch it on YouTube, you might be able to see it a bit more clearer. Sorry about the sun. I can't do anything about the, the light in here. But I don't know if you can remember the, right at the beginning of that. It started with a young girl um, who saw sort of the, the bass player, the double bass player. And she came along and she just put a coin in front of him. That was her investment. Her action came in and she invested her small coin into that whole scene that became. And then there's, as you watch that, you saw um, the different instruments coming in, everybody playing their part perfectly. Yep. Because I guess the tuba player can't play the drums in the same way the drum player and the violins can't play what the cello's playing and so on. And then there was a moment, I don't know if you saw, but the, um, the conductor casually walked in. You know, he didn't look like a conductor, did he? He just kind of looked like a, a tourist. He just casually walked in. And then suddenly, like everybody knew what to do because the conductor was uh, giving them direction. And as more people came in and the noise increased, that whole square was transformed, was it not? It's completely changed. And what happened? People were out there with their cameras filming it. And there were people climbing lampposts to have a look, get a better look. There were children copying the conductor. They were imitating him. And there was, I don't know if you saw the guy that kind of walked past, that really arty looking guy. And he walked past as he saw it and he just went, wow. Did you notice him? Because he saw what was going on and it was breathtakingly beautiful. Now, we all enjoyed that and it was beautiful. But actually, when the church is working as it should, it, she, is breathtakingly beautiful. And you are a part of the church. And each of you have got a part to play in this. Each of you with your quirks, your gifts, your talents, the things that God has placed in you can come to the fore. If tomorrow morning you were to invite one more friend with you into this room, this place would be too small already, would it not? You're already feeling quite squashed. And if we manage to get the double of number of people in here and the following day, all of you then invited another friend, there is no way we would be able to get everybody into this space. And I appreciate that when we talk about evangelism and we talk about going on mission and we think it's about doing big things up there, actually, I think we can make significant changes when we reach one person at a time. And so uh, my encouragement, my, where I'm leaving you this morning is I want you to be the best friend you can be. I want you to stick with your friends. I want you to love and care for them the way that Jesus loves and cares for you. And so now, just before we finish, I'm going to ask you just to wait on God. So if you want to close your eyes, we're going to have a moment. We're just going to reflect on some of the things that we've heard and seen this morning. Holy Spirit is here and he is speaking to us. Father, I ask you to come now. And right across this room, I pray that you would inspire us. 
Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to each of us and uh, just lay on our hearts just at least one person that you want us to befriend. One person that doesn't yet know you. That one person that we can love and care for and pray for. That one person that we're able to share our story with. That one person that we're able to invite maybe to youth or maybe to New Day or maybe uh, to church or some other event. Father, would you give each one of us a tenacity to be able to stick with things even when it's tough? Would you be able to give us grace to keep falling into you and receiving your love? Father, would you use every single one of us powerfully to reach our friends, to see this nation changed, to see the ends of the earth reached so that your glory can come, so that you are made known, (laughs) so your fame is talked of. Father, would you bless every personality, every gift, every talent, every temperament, 